I hope that in the course of the sermon, the reason I chose those passages will all make sense. We'll find out. Last week, we said that Asaph, who wrote last week's Psalm 73 and wrote this one, uh, was one of the chief worship leaders in Israel under the reign of King David. Uh, David had appointed Asaph as the chief minister before the Ark of the Covenant and the Temple of God. We learned last week that this man of God, Asaph, had doubts about him. In Psalm 73, we learned that Asaph's faith was shaken so much so that he almost stumbled into unbelief. Although he knew God was truly good, he couldn't see God's goodness in his own life, in the life of God's people. So what he believed about God and what he saw in his world clashed with a dissonance that caused him to doubt. But we saw last week that Asaph doubted toward God, not away from him. He took his doubts to worship. He took his doubts about God to God. In the end, he came away believing again that it is good to be here. And in Psalm 77, we'll see he continues to struggle. I love Asaph because he's a, he's a struggler. He wrestles with God. And so here again is another one uh, where Asaph is in the day of his trouble wrestling with God. Here, God's word in Psalm 77, the Psalm of Asaph. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. And so, uh, when I meditate, my spirit faints. You, God, hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I can't speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? At has he, in anger, shut up his compassion? Then, I said, I will appeal to this, to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O oh God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings light up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your foot 
footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we come this morning as your people, and much like But I haven't wrestled with 
my father just over the troubles of my world, I've wrestled with him over the troubles of my own heart. In my struggle with a particular sin, I, I prayed this prayer, Father, if you love me, why won't you take this particular struggle away from me? Why do I continue to have to fight so hard against it? You could do it. You could just snap your fingers and that addiction would be gone. But you don't. Don't you love me? And even yesterday, in my struggle with my me first part, Father, why after all of these years of your work in my heart, do I still chafe at serving you? Why can I not just give myself to serve a person for one day without crying? Don't you love me? I thought, where's all the transformation you talked about? Why is it taking you so long to change me? So, we've got troubles in our world, and we've got troubles in our world. But the troubles that trouble me most are those in my heart. And Asaph understands me and he understands you because he said, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. We don't know what trouble Asaph is referring to. Maybe it's troubles from living in a simple world. Maybe it's troubles from living with a simple heart. Probably both. <clears throat> but whatever it is, some trouble is happening in Asaph's world so awful that he feels like he's wrapped tight in a straight jacket of distress. His soul can't find comfort. His eyes cannot find sleep. His questions can't find answers. His mouth can't find words to express the anguish of his heart. And this guy's the worship leader for the people of God. He used to be able to sing songs in the night. He used to be able to think of his favorite psalms and hymns and sing them and find comfort for a soul. Now it's so bad that he can't even find a song to soothe his soul. No, we don't know what Asaph's trouble was, but we do know that whatever it was, it brought Asaph face to face with how he felt about God. So that in verse 3 he says, When I remember God, I hope. Asaph tries to soothe his soul by remembering God, by remembering who God is and what he's done, and even that makes him moan. Perhaps he was remembering something like God's own famous description of himself in Exodus 34 when he said, The Lord, the Lord, the God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Maybe, maybe he was meditating on that famous self-description by God. Maybe just like Anna wrestled with trying to understand why her loving father would allow her to experience so much pain and trouble and even be involved in it. Asaph struggled to understand how God could say he loves him and yet allow so much trouble to remain in his world and his apartment. And so in Psalm 77, verses 7 through 9, we see Asaph wrestling with God. Yes, the Lord is a God, merciful and gracious, but now in my troubles, I wonder, will the Lord spurn forever? 
But will he never again be favorable to gracious? Yes, the Lord is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, but now in my troubles I wonder, has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Yes, the Lord is slow to anger, but forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But now in my troubles I wonder, has God forgotten how to be gracious? Has he, is he so angry with me that it has shut down his He has trouble in his world and covered more trouble in his heart. Can God really love us? Can God really love us? Will God really love us? Will he keep his promise to love him? So this morning, I wonder, what are the troubles in your fallen world? What are the troubles in your fallen heart that are causing you to wonder if God really loves you? Perhaps your fallen world has these kind of troubles. Whether it's trouble with marriage, trouble with child, troubles at work, troubles in making ends meet, troubles in your body, some sickness or pain that God just won't take away. Troubles in the life of someone he loves. Go on and on. What are the troubles in your fallen heart that are stubbornly persisting and making you wonder if, if God is really powerful enough to change you, or worse, if he even really cares to do An addiction that won't go away. A stubborn pattern of sin that persists. A quick temper that simmers under everything so that any little thing triggers you into a rage. A cynicism that just away in your soul so that everything you see and you hear, you hear through the filter of, yeah, right. Maybe it's the fear of being known for who you really are, you know, the fear that if people know you, they won't want you. Maybe like me, you just struggle with why you don't have a desire to serve Maybe he tried that. Maybe he 
Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. But wait, hadn't he done that? Yeah. I'm going to do it again. When it doesn't feel like uh, you're loving me in my present life, I'm going to appeal to you and remember how you love me in the past. Specifically, I will appeal to the years of your right hand, your, your wonders of old. The, that word is, that wonders word is about his saving acts in the past. And so when Asaph does this, and I'm going to show you how he does it in just a second. When he does this, then he ends up asking a different question. And that question is, verse 13, what God is great like our God? It's not, what have you done for me lately, God? What God is great like this God we have? How did he get there? What did he remember? Asaph remembered the Exodus. Asaph remembered the Exodus. Because that is the story that God's people always went back to that proved God's love and faithfulness to, to his people in history, like no other event up to this time, to this time in Asaph's life. So remembering the good news of God's rescue from Egypt to the Promised Land, from slavery to freedom, that story of good news strengthened Asaph's trust in God's love in the middle of his present trouble. And what did God do in the Exodus to love his people? When there was a vast sea that threatened to separate God's people from fellowship with God. Remember, Moses said, we want to go to the wilderness to meet with and worship our God. But there was this red sea between them. When there was this vast sea between God's people and God that separated them. God redeemed them with his outstretched arms. God, out of his love for his people, became the perfect storm. Blew a path through the Red Sea. Listen to how he's describing verses 14 through the rest of the psalm. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the people. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, oh God, this is such a beautiful picture of what happened when the waters stood up like walls on either side and a path of dry land straight through. This is, this is what it looked like. When the waters saw you, oh God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. So you can just imagine God walking up this perfect storm. <laughs> This Lord of glory coming in the, in the sea just so watch out. There you go. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprint, footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You remember the story? How the Bible says that the waters did stand up on each side like a wall on the right and on the left as God's people walked through. And so this is what Asaph is remembering. 
He's remembering the story of God's love for his people shown in his greatest past rescue from their greatest past trouble. So that that story would comfort Asaph in his present. Asaph, I'm going to say it again, strengthened his heart by remembering the story of the good news of God's love in the greatest past rescue from their greatest past trouble. He remembered that in his present trouble. Asaph, friends, appealed to the gospel in the midst of his present trouble. Because God's rescue through the Red Sea is only a shadow of the true rescue that was to come, the rescue that Jesus, the true and better Moses, came to give us. That is the substance that the Exodus was only the shadow.
know. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Some of you are going to say, no, wait a minute, don't, don't throw that platitude on me. If you were hurting at your house, on your sick bed, or something like that, I probably wouldn't come and say, all things work together for good, don't you forget it. But that's not where we are. I'm going to tell you now. And we know all that. For those who love yeah, all things work together for good. All the troubles in your heart, all the troubles in your word, in your world, work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. His purpose in all of the troubles in your world, in all the troubles in your heart, is to draw you to become more and more like his son Jesus. And all those things work together for that good. So that Jesus, Paul says, might become the first among many brothers and sisters. God doesn't look at you and say, why can't you be more like your brother? God looks at you and says, I'm going to make you more like him. Because I love you so much. And he's so awesome. Why wouldn't you want to be like him? And so, he promises. Those who called, he also justified. He forgave. He took away the shame. Satan's accusations don't stick anymore. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Your glorification in heaven is such a guarantee that Paul talks about it in past tense. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. And that's why, because Paul has seen Jesus, the perfect storm, plow through the sea of sin on our behalf. That's why Paul then goes on to say, what can we say to these things? This is unbelievable. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things that will make his life? Who shall break it? Is it, is it your sin that you feel like he's you for the love of God? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. You don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to be justified by the people in Instagram. You don't have to be justified by your boss. God is the one who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised. Who is seated at God's right hand. Who is right now in the midst of your troubles interceding for you. He just explodes with, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations? Shall distress? Shall persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Sword? It could get to the point where the sword is what we're most afraid of. As it is written, Paul says, we are, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things, in all those things, distress, trouble, tribulation, nakedness, famine, sword, danger, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Not because we've done something to conquer, to overcome our troubles. We are more than conquerors.
conquers through him who loves us. You conquer in your troubles because you know you're loved. Not because he takes them away. You conquer in your troubles because you know you're loved. Not because he takes them away. Your father may have to lay himself on you and hold you down because he loves you. You're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul says, I am sure that we're the Sure, so be. I am confident. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor even things that you're worried about that might come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. And he runs out of things to say, so he says, nor anything else in all of creation. I'm persuaded that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ Jesus is the one who was troubled for you. Christ Jesus is the one who on the cross in the day of his trouble took all of your troubles. So friends, as Paul said, now to him who is able to strengthen you by my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. This is why we come on Sunday. Because in your present troubles, you need to be strengthened by the gospel. You need to be strengthened by the preaching of Jesus Christ. The one who has already loved you so much that he rescued you from your greatest trouble. So how in the world is he not going to love you in the rest of your trouble? Father, we need you. We need you to strengthen us in this good news. We need you to strengthen us in this table right now, which is a picture of Jesus rescuing us with his outstretched arm, redeeming us with his outstretched arm. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and preach the good news of your rescue to in the midst of our present troubles. Because you're not promising to take them away, but you do promise that you love us in the middle of them. And you love us so much that you'll use our troubles to make us more like Jesus. That's amazing. And to God be praised for that good news. In Jesus' name.